Thank you, Angela. How does she remember all that? That's pretty amazing. You know, I was, uh, uh, before I get started, I, you know, sometimes in worship, how the Lord speaks to you, you know, you're just trying to honor Him and praise Him, and yet at that time, sometimes He invades your thinking with a thought that He wants you to capture. And, and so I, uh, those of you that have been around me um, any length of time, you know I like to journal. And um, so we, we're singing that last song, This Is My Story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. And so I was thinking about my journals that I've only been writing since I was 28, so that was just recently. Um, at any rate, um, the idea that hit me was when we're singing that song, this is my story, this is my song, and I, I felt like, okay, so is God writing on one side of the page? Here's how I see today going, Pat. And then I look, I observe, I listen, I hear, and then I live. And I write my story on the right side of the page. And therefore, there's a complete story. Or, more often than not, do I get up for my day and I just start writing my story? And then God takes the right-hand side of the page instead of the left, and he said... And here's what I had to do to fix that story. Here's what I do, had to do to bail you out. And so I just really want to encourage you. That wasn't something I was planning on sharing. But I just really want to encourage you to take time in the morning to hear from God, to look into heaven, to hear what he's saying, to see what he's doing, and say, how can I join you on what you're doing? And make that be your day. So, side and note, but that's just kind of what came to me during the worship time. Um, you know, when we talk about uh, the word relationships, you think about uh, your family, you think about friends at school, at work, you think about work, you think about relationships between nations. Um, and so, those are very important. And God has thoughts on how that should be conducted. It's captured in his word. And the world that we live in, basic humankind, mankind, whatever word you want to use, we have a way that we do things, God's way or the world's way. We get to choose. And the second thing I just want to say is uh, a lot of times we might talk about uh, this word called conflicts. And if they're, if they're on a, a small level, it might be between a, a, a husband and a wife, it might be between a parent and a child, it might be at, uh, at school, it might be at work. And we have these things called conflicts. They happen in, in um, our daily lives. They happen in the spirit realm too. We call that spiritual warfare. When nations go to conflicts, we call that war. And that happens, and there's a... Uh, a way that that is handled, and there is a way um, from man's view, and there's a way that God has preferred you to handle conflicts. And then another way thing that happens is we have these things called resources, and, and maybe we call that an economy, you know. And the world has a way that you should handle your finances, your resources, um, 
bigger issues than just money. You know, it could be staffing or equipment or business strategies, depending if you own a business. Um, all those things are part of your resources. And God has a way, and you will see the world has a way, and you get to choose once again which way you want to do that. So today we're going to focus in on choosing God's kingdom economy as the thing that we're going to be talking about since he has so much to say about that in Scripture. Let's pray. Father God, I, I ask today for your mercy to be displayed by you giving us a great awakening. A great awakening inside our souls, Lord, to want to hear how you have your kingdom's economy to run and you want us to join you on that, to choose your way as opposed to what we see around us. And Father, I pray secondly for one more word. Would you give us a great understanding on how that applies to us? on how it applies to this church, is how it applies to our family, our individual lives, oh God. Would you open the eyes of our understanding that we would get it, what you want to reveal from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this may seem like a weird word I'm using, uh, economy um, and the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is something that was very important to Jesus, our Lord. I mean, there's only four Gospels that cover a lot of the red letters, you know, the things that Jesus said out of his mouth. I mean, yeah, we see some things in Acts and some things in Revelation, but basically those four Gospels. And in those four Gospels, he talks about a lot of things. But he talks a lot about the kingdom of God. In fact... He uses that theology, that talk, about 150 times he talks about the kingdom of God. It was important to Jesus. Another thing that I think is important, which is our topic today, is he talks about the kingdom of economy a lot. You know, Jesus spoke and he taught a lot of different ways with his life, with his words. Um, one of the things that we talk about is that he speaks in parables, little stories about things. He had 32 parables that we see in uh, the Gospels. 15 of them were about money and the use of it or involved it. So he cares about the kingdom of God a lot. And he cares a lot about how we use the resources that he provides. And so we're going to kind of tap into that today and really um, see what God has uh, for us to review on that. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, what does he say? He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Kingdom is a big deal. See, we were a part of the kingdom of darkness when we were without Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We, we were without hope because we couldn't live a perfect life. Anybody here live a perfect life? That's all that's required to get into heaven. Perfection. How hard could that be? Horribly hard. Nobody has ever done that apart from Jesus. 
And so since we can't live that life, we had this amazing situation happen. We sang about it where the God of heaven left his throne and sent his son Jesus that we might have life, that we might have hope, that we might move from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. Really cool stuff. And so he talks about that. And with a kingdom, um, a citizenship moving to a new kingdom, uh, you have new responsibilities and new opportunities. And so life in God's kingdom should look and feel a little different than what you were before you were saved. In fact, I'll even use this word, it should feel a little awkward walking around in the regular world. Because we've been moved to a new citizenship. And so as God is revamping our hearts and our desires and our taste buds for what's good and what's not good, um, it should be a little bit different. So we may find ourselves a little predisposed to life in the world's system. Because everybody around us is kind of living that way. So we might be a little predisposed to handle money the way that non-saved people do. Because after all, most of these people are just going with the flow. They're just going with the flow because that was around them. There's an author named Paul Cuny, and he once wrote, The kingdom is here. If we learn to function by the principles of that kingdom in our day-to-day lives... We will function at a higher level of anointing and productivity. A lot of times when um, you hear in a church that we're going to talk about money, uh, most everybody's mind goes to only one aspect of that, and that's tithes and offerings. And that's what people feel like the focus, the exclusive focus of what God wants to talk to us about with money. And that's an important thing, and, and, but it's not the broad area I want to talk about today. I want to talk mainly about God's whole purpose on how you should use the resources of your life. And so we're going to start um, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 10 through 15. Now, at this point, God is talking to Moses and... Um, you know, uh, we have a really interesting phenomenon that has happened in the North American churches. People don't bring Bibles to church, um, or they, they have their, the Bible on their phone, which is fine if you have it on your phone. But what it does is when, and for those of you that didn't, it, it, it means I have to preach one verse at a time, because that's what you're going to see. Put a verse up there. Um, you get one verse, so you're going to have to have me comment after every verse. So anyway, that's just you know, how, how it works. But, so here we go, Deuteronomy 11, 10 through 15, uh, God speaking to Moses. The land you are entering, they're out of Egypt, they're moving toward the promised land. The an- land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot as in a vegetable garden. You know, you, you were in Egypt is 400 years. You were in slavery. Life was, not, was about what I wanted. I mean, life was about what the Egyptian people wanted you to do. 
And you literally, it's going to look different when you go into this new kingdom that I'm giving you. It's going to look different. And he says, it's not like where you came from. And I would just say to you, how you use the resources God gives you is not like you used to use them. It's different, is what he's saying here. And he said, where you planted your seed and irrigated it by your foot. In Egypt, they didn't really, it was a very dry area. And they built these, they had to dig out these big ditches and irrigation water flows through it. You know, by your foot, you're moving little valves and water's moving one way and the other. And it took great effort to grow. Next verse, verse 11. And the land you are crossing... But the land you are crossing, the Jordan, to take possession of, is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. I'm going to water it differently. In fact, you had to do everything to water that garden in Egypt. Let me put it a different way. Before you were a Christian and went into the kingdom of God, you had to do everything. All performance for your money was solely based on you and your efforts. But you're entering a new land. And I'm actually going to partner with you. I'm going to send rain on your crops. This is the new land you're moving into. I'm going to be a partner with you. I am going to bring my divine supernatural methods in your new place that you're living, the kingdom of God. That's, it's going to look different than what you're used to, that you're going to take possession of. So, verse 12, In a land the Lord your God cares for, ding, 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 and the eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. I mean, you're not just solely on your own. We're going to talk more about that in a second. You're not solely on your own. I am participating with you. I'm bringing the rain. I'm going to care for this area that you're in charge of, that I'm going to bring you into. And by the way, my eyes, I am watchful. Nothing slips by me, says the Lord. Nothing slips by me. I'm watching what's happening in your day-to-day activities. I'm watching what's going on where you're making money. I'm watching and helping and caring for you. Verse 13. So if, always pay attention to the ifs. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Going to have to go to the next one. Then, if then, I will send rain on your land in its season appropriate time both autumn and spring rays i'm very targeted i'm very specific on helping you specifically i have a time for things so that you may gather in your grain yeah you're going to have to work but so you can go gather your grain new wine and olive oil verse 15 i will produce grass in the fields you didn't even have to do that i'll do it I will produce, provide grass in the field for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. I require one thing of you. I'm going to do some really cool things for you in your, in your financial life, says the Lord. But there is an if. And the if is if you will obey me 
by loving me with all that you got and serving me. If you will do that, I'm going to bring a... Um, I'm going to bring resources that would not otherwise have hit your plate. I'm going to bring resources. At a very targeted time that I'm going to plan, I'm going to bring rain. I'm going to bring provision. I'm going to bring what it takes to make it pop. Oh, by the way, I'm going to give the grass that your cattle will have. I'm going to join you on what I've asked you to do. So he is going to be very involved. So these powerful verses describe the beginning of a brand new economic culture shift for God's people. And I would say to you, if you haven't realized this, God is making a culture shift in your life, in your family, in your finances. There's a way that most people use, in fact, we call it in the world, best practices on how to do your business, how to be in your job. And there's a way, and it's not that they're bad, they're just of the world. And then there is God's way, if you will partner with him, and he's looking for your total love and serving him. And then I'll take care of you. And so this is a culture shift from, from them after 400 years of bondage and slavery. And I don't know how many years you were before you met the Lord. Maybe you were... 20 years old, or 30 years old, or 16 years old, or 8, or 40, or 70. So in the worldly economy in Egypt, let's look, I'm going to just give you six things that I, I see that was happening. Number one, the work was hard and not enjoyable. Have you ever had that happen in your job? Hard and not really enjoyable. The method of supply was always known. Well, that's kind of cool how things are going to happen. I, I work these 40 hours, I get a, a paycheck. Okay, it's always known. Number three, the outcome relied exclusively on your performance. It all depends on you. How you perform is how, you, how you're going to get treated. Number four, kind of cool, free food and shelter. Woohoo! Very, very good. Free food, free shelter. That's good. I mean, it may not be good food, may not be good shelter, but it's free. Number five, every day was the same and very predictable in Egypt. Have you ever felt like some of your days are all the same? Very predictable. Maybe you don't like it, maybe you don't like it, but it's predictable. Sure. Number six, those above you had all the power. Those above you have all the power. And, but here's how I see God's kingdom a little bit different. Here's six, I just took the same six and talk about them. Number one, work is part of a greater purpose with God. Work is part of a greater plan that God is in the middle of doing. And that's what work is. Number two, the method of supply is not always known. To some, that's very scary. God calls it, I think this word is, He calls it walking by faith. It's not always known. Number three, God partners with you to deliver kingdom results. We just read about that in Scripture. 
God partners with you, and the results are of a kingdom magnitude. Number four, food and shelter is not free, but God does supply. Number five, every day can be very unpredictable. Just the ways of God, they can be very unpredictable, what you might face. Number six, God has all the power above those over you. So there's two different economies, two different things that, that, uh, uh, that there are two realities that are functioning and happening at the same time. There's the ways of the kingdom of the world that are around us right now. And simultaneously, there's the ways of God that are happening right now. And we get to choose which of those we want to operate in. Now, here's the bad news. Because most of us don't really like the full choice of God's way. So we want to blend them together. That doesn't always work. In fact, God would call that um, polluted. That's what he would call it. You know, how, how much cyanide needs to go into a glass of water for it to be polluted? You probably shouldn't drink it. One drop. So God's not after blending ways, you know, any more than we can take a, uh, a gas-running car and fill it up with diesel and expect that engine to work. It's just not going to happen. Nor can we take a diesel vehicle and fill it with gas and expect it to work. And yet somehow we expect to take what we like about the world's way and do that, and what we like about God's way and participate with him there. But he's really using, uh, wanting us to choose one. Our worldview determines our behavior. Not only in the marketplace with money, but in, as we approach everything in life. And by the same token, our behavior exposes our worldview. What we do really reflects what we believe. And so we have to choose. And these worldviews are different, and they're different because they have different goals and objectives. The world's way versus God's way. One worldview is godless and will place man and his achievements as the focus. At the center. That's one. Any, anybody know which one? Oh, okay. Um, the second worldview is the kingdom of God, and it places King Jesus and his purposes at the center of our decision-making, our activities, our life. So what does all this have to do with money? Your resources or a kingdom economy? Just as the kingdom of God is a polar opposite to the ways of the world, so are the economic systems. So are the ways that money is spent or resources, even your time resource, is used. And that, means, that happens in a church and that happens in individuals. And so let's decide that we want the inclination of our heart to be aimed at God and his ways of dealing with these things. God prospers us not for our sake, but for the sake of his kingdom. That's a biggie. It, it, I miss that 
for so much of my life. I thought God prospered me so that I could provide. Well, that's included, but it's not limited. God prospers us for the sake of what He's doing, what He's all about. We get to be a part of it. But that's a really big deal. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Here's a second part that's kind of interesting. And so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. So, several parts of this. I mean, it's God who gives us the ability. What is the ability? Um, the skills, the intellect, the health. I mean, all you need is one really bad situation happen in your health and you realize how important that one resource is to your life. God gives us friends and acquaintances and connections and networks that allow us to function at whatever level he wants it done. And so God is very, uh, very much the one who gives us the ability to create wealth. So let's don't think it's us. Let's don't think we're all of that. I mean, I, I think that there's a real blessing that comes with humility when we realize we're not all of that. It's really God and his goodness and kindness that has given us the ability that we can move forward. And so he gives us that ability. And, and then it says, and so he confirms his covenant. So every ability we have has been given us by God. And the point of our growth or our advancement um, that God wants to give you favor on has um, ramifications beyond just your household. Now, if these facts aren't rattling you enough, these abilities that he's given you aren't about you. They're about him and his purposes. They're about him and his purposes. And they were primarily given to you for his purposes. And they were secondarily given to you so that you could supply the needs of your family and that you could grow and enjoy and produce and all those cool things that God gave a man to do and a woman to do in the Garden of Eden. But you're part of a bigger picture, a bigger purpose in his kingdom. And some of you are sitting here right now as I'm saying that and you're saying, cool! And some of you are sitting there right now and saying, okay, but... Where do I come into the picture? What, what, what about all this hard work that I'm doing? Where, where do I come into the picture? And so you are important. You, you do have a say in this. You do have choices in it. You are not just a puppet of God. You have a free will. And there's a, there's a lot of bad teaching going on out there. Uh, bad theology, if you will, study of God, theology. There's a lot of bad stuff out there that says, I'm just a puppet of God. God's going to do what God's going to do. And I just go with the flow. 
That's just not scriptural. It's just not scriptural. I mean, it, if it were that way, why in the world would he, would he put this book and put all these commands in it if you had no ability to do it? If you had no ability to choose? Now, are you saying, Pat, God is not all-powerful? He could not do anything he wants? No, of course I'm not saying that. He can do anything he wants. He's God. But the way he created this world is he decided to give people free choice. And there's a lot of reasons for that, I think. One reason is, who wants to receive love from a spouse if they have to do it? It's better that they want to do it. And they, they choose to do it. And they love you because they're sacrificially giving something else up in order to bless your life. Well, the same thing with Father God. And so... You're not just a puppet. You have the ability to choose. You have the ability to choose. Do you want to live for God and walk into these cool things that could happen? By the way, that's monetarily too. Do I want to participate with him in his kingdom economy? And so, so far we've seen that we have two economic realities that are going on simultaneously that involve our resources, our careers, our money. And we have to choose which way we're going to operate. Are we going to say, God, I want to do it the way your word says? Or are we going to say, I want to do it the way I see everybody else around me doing it? But that's not God's intent for you to just live in the restrictions that happen with the world's way. He wants you to be blessed beyond what you think. And I'm not just talking monetarily. I'm talking about blessed and being a part of something really big that he's doing. And so that's where God's desire is for us to move toward choosing his economy, not trying to blend them together somehow and hope that the gas and the diesel will not clog up my car engine. Gesundheit. That's my four years in Germany from four months old to four years old. I remembered Gesundheit. That's about it. So let's pull everything that we've talked about together and give you a couple of things. Uh, uh, this, by the way, is um, part one of a two-part um, talk on uh, what how God wants to really bless you in his kingdom economy. Next week, it's going to blow your socks off, so I know you'll want to come back next week and bring somebody. But um, let me give you something right now. One is more of a big picture look at things, and one is four practical ways for you to position yourself uh, to really walk into God's kingdom blessings. So the first thing is to the, uh, the big picture of how in the world you're going to do this. The first thing is devote time in his presence. Exodus 37, verses 7 and 11 say this, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend.
then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I, I, all I can tell you is, along the line of that little illustration of my journal, is it's better to go and, so to speak, open your journal and look into heaven and say, what are you about today that I can join you on what you're doing? And try and see what God is writing and do that. And so I think that devoting this time is absolutely key, and that's what Moses did. If you had a question that was going on on your finances, if you have a question, should I change jobs? If you have a question, should I buy this car or hang on to this one? If you have a question of, should I um, lend money to this person that is in need, but I'm not sure how I'm going to make ends meet. If you have a question, pull away. Go to God. Ask him. Go to this tent of meeting, if you will, and ask God what he thinks. Exodus 33:15 says, Then Moses said to him, him being God, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. God, if you're not going to be with me throughout my day, just, just let me just stay here in bed. I mean, if you're not going to be with me, I, I, I need to hear from you. Do you need to hear from God or do you have it? I got it, God. I got it. Talk to you at the end of the day. Talk to you at lunchtime when I thank you for the food. I got it. Or do you say, God, if your presence isn't going to go with me, I, I don't want to get up and move. Because we need to hear from God to walk into the goodness of God that he lets us participate with him. That we get to join him on what he's doing. Psalms 145.18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him. Oh, I need his nearness. To all who call on him in truth. In other words, sincerely. Not, not some kind of religious fakeness. God, will you help me today? I really need some help. And I just kind of said it because it just flowed out of my mouth. And then I go about doing what I'm doing. I want to call on him in truth. I want to say, I, I, I'm asking because I want to listen to you. And I want to listen to you so that I can do what I hear. So I, I want equal signs between all of those things. God, I, I want to hear from you. I want you to be near to me. I need you to be near to me. I know what it's like to be far from you, and I can get really off base. I need you near to me. So I'm going to close out by giving you four practical steps of preparation to walk in God's kingdom economy. Four practical things that you can do to walk into God's way of dealing with resources. The first thing, you probably expect me to say this, is tithes and offerings with your local church. This is the base point of kingdom responsibility and the blessing associated with it. You see it all throughout scripture. You see Jesus even talking about it. It's the beginning point of God, learn, of God seeing that I know I can trust him and the beginning point of him trusting us with more. 
God wants to trust you with more. And so this little ask, Pat, I'm going to give you the ability to make an income. I want you to give 10% back to your church. And I want you to live on 90%. Do you think we can start there? That's basically what a tithe is. And so do I trust God enough that I can live on 90%? Well, the real issue is, number one, everything I have is his. So him letting me keep any part of it is shocking. He didn't have to. He is God. He's the inventor of the world. He's the sustainer of my life. He's the one that currently I have breath in my lungs, and when there's no breath in my lungs, I die. It's real simple. Why the heart beats, I don't know, but it does. And as long as it beats, I'm alive. And so he asked this. Now, I'm not going to preach a lot on this. I will read one scripture to you. Um, I probably every other year or something I'll preach on tithing. The last time I preached on it was September 17th of last year. Why am I telling you that? Because you can go to freedom-fellowship.com, our website. You can look up September 17th, and you can listen to the podcast, and you can see the full picture of scripturally of how we get, why we believe what we believe about tithing and giving and generosity. So September 17th, remember that date? Just go to the website. You can look it up under sermons. But let me just give you one scripture. It's a scripture that helped change my life when I first understood about tithing. I think it was, I think I never heard the word until I was about 20 years old because I didn't go to a church that ever taught it, which is a shame. You'll see why when I read this scripture. Malachi 3, 6 through 12 says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? God says, verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. Never saw that before till last year. You are under a curse, your whole nation, everybody that's important to you, your family, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that you may be that there may be food in my house. Test me on this. God never says test me, only place I know of in scripture. Test me on this says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, how cool is that, and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. I just got to interrupt myself. Sheila and I found a, uh, Sheila and I found a, uh, we just got married, didn't have a washer dryer. Sheila's dad saw a washer and dryer on the side of the road. Obviously somebody put it out there, it was dead. He fixed it. He could fix anything. Um, and that washer and dryer lived for 28 years of our marriage. 28 years. Wow. So when I read this verse that says, um, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, to me that means the things I get is going to last a long time. 
And the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. Other people will see that you're blessed. They're going to look to your God then. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I'm not going to talk much. You're going to have to go back to that September 17th um, podcast and, and listen to that. I just want to say, I used to think that if I tithe, once I learned about tithe, if I tithe, then I got blessed. If I chose not to, then it's up to me. That was kind of my view. I never saw the first part of that verse, that I, I would be living under a curse, a financial curse, if I didn't tithe. And, and that really freaked me out, quite frankly. Now, I had already been tithing because um, I had seen that God just asked me to do that. And, um, and I, I will stand before you, um, having been now married almost... 44 years, coming up on it. And, uh, and I can give you a testimony. God has always taken care of us. Um, I remember when um, I was running one large company and it closed down. The owner just shut it down. And, uh, and I went on a 10-year journey, 10 jobs in 10 years. <laughs> um, and uh, just doing what I could do, just to make ends meet. But we made ends meet. Somehow, we made ends meet, and we were down in income two-thirds. So we were living on one-third of what we were making before. I don't know how that worked. It just worked. God took care of us. Ten years of, of trial. But we tithed during that time. And God just was gracious in taking care of us. I can give you testimony after testimony, basically saying... God's word is true. This word worked in our lives and all we did was honor him. And whether it was 10% or whether it was significantly higher than that, it's never been less than 10. Um, it, it's been our honor to participate in what he's doing because we realize we're part of a bigger picture. Life isn't just about me. Number two, meet with God in prayer and scripture every day. I preferred in the morning. I need that time with him to see what he wants me to focus on that day. To be alert to that opportunity I would miss, if he didn't make me alert to it. To be alert to a way I could solve that problem that I would have missed had I not met with him. To see how uh, to use the resources that he gives me, he supplies uh, uh, those opportunities. Uh, Matthew 6.33, very key scripture in my life. But seek first, first, his kingdom. That's why I do the first of the day. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. This is the, the beginning part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And, um, and he basically had, had just got done talking about how God takes care of all these needs people have, you know, clothing and food and all. He got done talking about all that, and then he says... But by the way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Number three. First, tithe and offering. Second, meet with God in prayer and scripture every day. Number three, never compromise your integrity for money. This is the one thing. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quick way to lose everything. It's a quick way to goof life up is when you compromise your integrity. Proverbs 10.9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. 
but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. I really want to encourage you, walk in that authenticity that you're good with God on how you deal with people, how you deal with the resources he gives you. Uh, walk in integrity. Just what you see is what you get, God. I, I, I'm all in for you. Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to try and act like you didn't see what just happened. <laughs> walk in integrity. Number four, commit your daily activities to the Lord by surrendering to Him. Every day, start freshly by committing your day, your opportunities, your problems, your projects, your relationships, your goals, and yes, your resources to Him. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your paths. He will make it firm. It will be a happening thing. You want predictable? That'll be predictable. Commit your ways unto the Lord. And so today our focus is uh, setting up how Christians are to operate um, contrary to some of the people that we may see around us. Good people. So we have become citizens of the kingdom of God and therefore we need to walk according to the economy of the kingdom of God. And so I wanted to kind of build this broad understanding of how God knits everything together, pieces it all together. Next week, we're going to have an incredible time talking about what to do so you'll know how to walk into the favor of God. We're going to spend some time talking about the favor of God. And you get in the middle of the favor of God and hang on. It's a good place to be. So we're really going to be sharing that next week. And so um, it will be a powerful week of understanding and unlocking some things that maybe have been missing from you individually or your family in this arena of walking in the favor of God. Let's pray. Father God, I asked you for your great mercy at the beginning of this time that you would awaken us to truths that we've missed in the past. And so God, I just humbly come and I ask that that happened with these amazing friends of mine that are here coming to hear your word, not me, you, your word. And so, God, I ask that you will awaken within them something that you wanted to show them about how your kingdom works in reference to the resources that you provide. And, God, I ask also one other thing. I just ask that you would give them understanding that it wouldn't have just been information, but it would be understanding from the truth of your word, O oh God, that we, O Lord, as a people, as friends, as families, as people that are bound together under this, this place called Freedom Fellowship, O oh God, your church, not mine, your church, God, that you would give us understanding on how your kingdom works in the area of money. That, Lord, we would not be limited to the ways of the world. That we would not be um, missing all that you want us to walk in. The coolness of your provision for your purposes. 
the amazing of being able to lock arms with somebody else for things bigger than us, bigger than just survival. God, we don't want to be those people that just live paycheck to paycheck. We want to be a part of what you're doing. And so, God, we need this awakening. We need this understanding. We are desperate for your intervention in our problems, in our opportunities. God, we don't even know how to see some of the opportunities that you put in front of us apart from your Spirit's revelation. And we certainly don't know how to negotiate some of the problems because we've kind of goofed that up time after time. We need your insight of understanding, O oh God. Merciful God. Shake us awake. Grant us understanding in these things that we might join you on what you're doing. Father, everybody in this room talks about money. They talk about money in their house, at their job, in college, in high school. God, they, they, we all talk about it, but we need to know what you want us to do because we're now citizens of your kingdom. We see everybody around us, oh God. We want to see what's on your heart, for us. So God, open the eyes of our understanding that we might get it and we might respond according to your leadership. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, sometimes we, we are preaching through different passages of the word and sometimes we just talk about a topic. And, and so we want to talk about topics that are important to your life at Freedom. We want to give you practical tools and practical ways for you to experience all that God invented you for on purpose. So um, I pray that this was useful to you. And uh, if there's anything that's going on in your life for your family that we can pray for you about, I'm standing right here afterwards. Come on up. Um, our elder team, our prayer team will be glad to pray for you. Have an amazing day in Jesus' name. God bless you.